Verizon brings you Pay It Forward Live, a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo and Fios Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. got the headphones on right now guys which means I can hear my own voice which means that it gets a little sexy um thank you for listening you're listening to this feels terrible the podcast a podcast about relationships hosted by yours truly Aaron McGathy uh, so a couple of months ago or a month ago rather I saw an amazing documentary called beauty is embarrassing uh, by Neil Berkeley and uh, the documentary is if you if you are an artist or you're somebody who makes anything or if you're just a human being, um, you you really should see this documentary immediately. Um, definitely anybody who's listening to this podcast should see this documentary. Beauty is embarrassing. Um, the subject of the documentary is uh, artist Wainwright. It sounds like I'm saying Wainwright. I'm saying Wayne White. It's hard to say. And uh, I did this in the room with, <laughs> with Wayne White, and he thought that I, I didn't know his name. And I felt embarrassed, but I know it. It's Wayne White. Uh, you know Wayne's work um, most definitely. He was uh, He's an art director, illustrator, puppeteer, fine artist. He was a designer on Pee Wee's Playhouse. And uh, he did work on Shining Time Station, Beekman's World. Uh, he did the art direction for the Tonight Tonight video by the Smashing Pumpkins, for which he won uh, several awards. And uh, now he's uh, he's he's designing sculptures, and he's a fine artist. Uh, if you are from Los Angeles and you've been to Fred sixty two, you've seen his his incredible, funny, wonderful uh, word paintings that are hanging in Fred sixty twos. And uh, I think I said puppeteer. Did I say puppeteer? Puppeteer. Uh, times 100. He's an amazing puppeteer. I just was leering in his garage looking at uh, some of his creations. He's incredible. Um, and uh, also featured in the documentary is his incredible wife, Mimi Pond, who is an amazing cartoonist and illustrator. She's written for or like done... Cartoons for the National Lampoon, Village Voice, New York Times, Adweek. She also wrote the very first episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Uh, I hate the, f- the term power couple, but if there ever was a power couple, they would be a power couple. Um, they invited or allowed Dustin and I to, uh, go into their, their house. My first mobile interview, right, Dustin? Yeah. yeah first mobile interview. I was very nervous um, because they uh, they make such amazing things and and I think I, I I definitely say this in the in the interview I was really worried about sounding like a Chris Farley's interview character where I just list all the things that I really like about them and then ask them what it's like to have created those things. Um, so anyway, here's my interview with Mimi Pond and Wayne White. Uh, they're um 
they're wonderful. Take out a notepad if you're an artist. <laughs> not, not for anything I say. Um, I'm a little stumbly, but they're uh, they're wonderful. So please enjoy my interview with uh, Wayne White and Mimi Pond. Uh, hey guys. Hey. Hey. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast. Our pleasure. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here with uh, Mimi Pond and Wayne Wright, and nope. I. What? White. Wayne White. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, did I? I you said I, right. I, yeah, I mumbled a little bit. I'm sorry. So no, I've it's okay. Screwed it up. You want to start uh, over? Sure. Sorry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> my name is Erin McGathy, and I'm sitting across from Mimi Pond. And Wayne White, White. <laughs> uh, it, it it doesn't feel like we're doing a podcast really because we're sitting in a living room. And, yeah, yeah. And your microphones appropriately kind of look like uh, puppets. They do sort of look like puppets. I've never sat here with a microphone before. Have you, Mimi? No, I never have. Here we are. Should I get a sharpie so we can draw faces? On? <laughs> That'd be great. We could just turn this into a puppet show. Do you guys usually sit like that on the couch? Not really. Spots? No. We're, cool. we're, we're very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I, I'll start by saying I'm a terrible interviewer. I'm, uh, I'm awful. I'm, um, the more that I listen to myself, I sound like when I interview people whose work I really admire, I sound like the Chris Farley sketch from SNL <laughs> where I so I'm going to try not to do that I'm okay. going to try not to just reference things I already know and then say like so it was great right was yeah. like, literally I've done that well, I'm a terrible interviewee so we should get along very well okay great how about you Mimi are you I I try to interview people sometimes for my work and it's it's difficult yeah, yeah she does a lot of interviewing actually oh when she's writing stories for the LA Times well cartoons for the LA cartoons. Times cartoons yeah Right. Do you do you have any other quick tips? No, really because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I thought you know you were going to help me. Oh well, <laughs> forget remember what I that? said. I'm a great. I'm I'm the best interviewer. I'm. Uh, remember when you drew those comics for the LA Times? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, this could easily. Um, a fan of both of your work this could easily just turn into me just talking about your work and then saying like so what is it like to uh create something like that and you would be like well i don't know how to explain that and that would be a bad interview so instead um how did you guys meet <laughs> we'll start with that go ahead mimi well shall i tell it the usual way that I whatever where you want well, <laughs> um we had a mutual friend who told me that Wayne was going to be uh, performing a puppet show at some hole-in-the-wall gallery in on the Lower East Side? Did I want to go? And I was I had like been dating a lot, and I was really disgusted. And I was like, mm. "Oh, fine, <laughs> maybe I'll meet someone. Sure, I'll go." <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about being disgusted? What was the how, that was how a puppet show, for God's sake. Well, no, it wasn't the puppet show. It was just the... No, I, I mean, like, you're, like, being disgusted with the dating scene. Yeah, that was, it was that I, you know, I had, like, I dated a lot of guys, and, and nothing was working out, and um, I'd, I'd had a, a boyfriend who was a room service waiter at 
at the Hyatt who, you know, I was like kind of dating at that point beneath Losers. Myself, <laughs> to begin with. And then he dumped me because he was seeing some woman he worked with at the, at the hotel. And I was like, really? Yeah. You're going to choose the, like the, you know, the desk clerk over me? <laughs> It's like fine, right? Because you, you, uh, you were and still, still are a very like popular artist, and everyone really respected your work, right? So you were cool. I was cooler than the girl I was being dumped for, and then I, re- <laughs> you know, then I was like, you know, I dodged a bullet with that one anyway. I, I all the to all the men I've loved before, thank you for dumping me. <laughs> you know, I always think of that that stupid Willie Nelson song. To all the girls I've loved before, which really is nothing more than just bragging about how many women you've been to bed with. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's all it is. It's just a laundry list of like, you know, thanks for the, the cheap sex. Right. <laughs> that was fun. And that's obviously what you're doing now. You you want everyone listening and, and waiting to know. They, <laughs> you, <laughs> you're bragging you're about all the money. No, I'm off topic now. No. Anyway, sorry. My fault. I'm a terrible interviewer. <laughs> Um, so you came to the puppet show. I came to the puppet show, and Wayne's puppet show was really super, incredibly amazing, and it blew me away. And then he stuck his handsome head out at the end of the puppet show from <laughs> behind this funky cardboard stage, <clears throat> and I just said, "That's what I want." <laughs> and a bunch of us went out to dinner together, and then, um, then I lured him into my apartment. It's not not right afterwards. I was trying no. not to be so cheap anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was not really looking for a, a new girlfriend or anything at the time myself, and uh, but I was really impressed by Mimi. I, of course, I knew who she was. She was, you know, National Lampoon cartoonist, the Valley Girls Guide to Life cartoonist, and and um, I was, you know, I was definitely interested in her. But I was sort of seeing this other woman at the time, and blah blah. I wasn't really. Uh, I was in a daze, actually, that whole night. Only thing I really remember from that night was Mimi said she wanted to have Bugs Bunny's child. I remember she said that at dinner. I thought, man, this girl's kind of weird. I don't know. I hope there's no context for that. He's never let me forget that. (laughs) I was in a daze, though. I mean, it wasn't like I was... I was uh, looking for a new relationship. I was just trying to be provocative and get your attention, and I did. You got my attention. <laughs> but one thing led to another, and uh, we, we started going out, and it was great. There That's how go. we met, at a puppet show called Rootless. I think I was just looking for, you know, I'd, I had dated a bunch of guys, and nobody really, you know, really impressed me that much. And Wayne just dazzled me with his mm-hmm. talent. And and just, you know. And Mimi was super cute. You know, she was a thrift store goddess. She dressed really, really great. And she had, I loved her style. And, uh, of course, she was famous. And she was making money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know. Yeah, you, you uh, were talking about that in the documentary. Like, that that time when um, your, your friends were... Uh, sending some judgment your way because you were dating this woman. That well, was yeah. And I, here. and I was sponging off her a little bit, you know, I didn't have a dime and Mimi would take me in and make me dinner and, and take me out and buy dinner. And <laughs> I knew I landed a good one and uh, I was investing. It was all good. All good. And, but you know, it was a little awkward and, mm-hmm. and other guys would tease me about it. 
but uh and that would uh, hurt my pride and i doubled up my efforts too it sort of inspired me to uh be more ambitious and mm. hit the streets more and i did i started getting work not soon after that and uh started pulling my own weight i you know as a freelancer i was an illustrator we were both illustrators and uh started getting jobs at magazines and stuff things worked out nice what was it like when you moved out to california together well, uh, we moved here to California because of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm -hmm. We originally came out in 87, the summer of 87, to do a season of the Playhouse, and we moved back. And then we did the same thing um, two years in a row. It was back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, uh, we just decided, you know, we got to make a decision. All the work was out here as far as TV production and stuff goes. We wanted a house. We were looking at buying a condo in New York, but it just didn't seem worth it to spend mm -hmm. all that money, and the deal wasn't that good. And plus, we were thinking about kids, too. So between the work and the house and the kids, L.A. seemed to be the right decision, although it was very um, traumatic at first, especially mm -hmm. for me. I didn't like it at all at first. Oh, yeah. What was your first impression or like your first issues with Los Angeles? Well, it wasn't New York, you know. Right. I'd spent eight long years, almost nine years, becoming a New Yorker, which is, you know, quite a uh, task. Right, and a big and we, transition because you're from Tennessee, right? I was from Tennessee, but I was over the Tennessee thing. I was considering myself a New Yorker, really. You know, we had we had we we had weathered the storm in New York. We had made it there, as the stupid song says. <laughs> right, Mimi? Right. And we were proud of... <laughs> We were proud of um, our success in New York, and right as the right as it was got kind of peaking, we moved. And uh, it, you know, it's L.A. It's completely different. Yeah, you're you're off the streets. You're all, you're home alone. You're in the sunshine. It's Hollywood and not literary, glittering, sophisticated, intellectual New York anymore. It's Hollywood sound stages and. Hollywood producers and Hollywood actors and, eh, you know. Yeah. How, how old were the both of you when you moved out to L.A.? We were about 31, 32. Yeah, early 30s. Yeah. And uh, we were still young enough to to make changes without too many disruptions. The kids weren't hadn't come along yet. I'm from San Diego, so it wasn't oh, as yeah. much of an adjustment um, for me. And I had... I had thought at the time that I wanted to try to write for television and movies. and Yeah, and Mimi, we both had work in TV. Mimi had just wrote the first episode of The Simpsons. Right. And uh, she was uh, getting a lot of job offers. And Well, and I, I had written an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. And yeah. I have to say that um, the way that happened was the worst possible introduction to writing for Hollywood that you could ever have because uh, Lynn Stewart, who was Miss Yvonne on Pee-wee's Play Playhouse, and I wrote an episode for Pee-wee's Playhouse, and we gave it to Paul and... Uh, and Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens, and they they shot it. Mm -hmm. No I mean, rewrites. No rewrites, wow. no meetings. No suits. No, nothing. They took the script and they <laughs> shot it and I thought oh great this is the way this works this could be really fun <laughs> and then little did you know little did I know that it's this hideous uh, committee process and I'm just um, 
I am not a team player. <laughs> I have worked alone all my life. I've, I've uh, occasionally I'll collaborate with one other person, but I'm not good in groups. Especially TV writing, yeah. which is nothing but sitting around a table. Right. A lot. Rewriting, meetings, this, you know, notes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Have the two of you ever written anything together? No, because I'm not really a writer. Well, we, we thought of show ideas together. We pitched together. We pitched mm -hmm. a million show ideas. We went all over this town pitching half-hour uh, animated series ideas. We thought we were going to be the next. Live action series, Live too. action, animated. We, you know, after Matt hit it big, Matt Groening mm -hmm. hit it big with The Simpsons, we thought we were going to be. You know, we thought, yeah, let's get on this gravy train, but uh, we never could catch a ride. <laughs> what was that? Uh, what, how long had you been together before you s decided to try working together or collaborating? Oh, we'd been together at least 10 years or so. Hollywood brought that out in us. You know, mm -hmm. we wanted to, we wanted, we were panning for gold like everybody else. You know, we wanted a piece of that action. And maybe that's not the best motivation for creativity. I don't know. We had good ideas, mm -hmm. but it's tough pitching a show when you don't have a celebrity on board. Right. We didn't have a so-called showrunner. Well, yeah, and, and that really they want someone who's tried and true and who's come up through the ranks and who like started as a lowly term writer and has worked their way up to a showrunner. Those are the people whose ideas they buy. They, yeah. they don't really buy the ideas of people who've just walked through the door. Yeah, we had, we didn't play the, we hadn't come up through the system, and we were outsiders knocking on the door with our hat in our hands, and we just learned the hard way that it's not. Actually, it was a blessing that we didn't get yeah. it done because we would have been miserable. Um, Farming our children out to nannies, working to raise. on a series mm -hmm. that probably would have never gotten anywhere in the first place. You know, the painful, painful process of shooting the pilot and taking the meetings. We had to learn the hard way that Hollywood really wasn't, at least television production really wasn't for us. I was, uh, when when our son was six months old, I got a job uh, as a writer on the last season of Designing Women. And they were, you know, trying to be all PC and let <clears throat> me bring not only him, but the nanny to work with me. And... um it just everything about it was wrong. Speaking of elections, <laughs> today's election day. Yeah. And that was right after Bill Clinton was elected for the first time. That's how long ago that was. Yeah. And, her, and his brother Roger worked on the show. He was like the gopher. <laughs> um, Poor Roger. Oh, and right. he was the gopher. And designing women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because Linda Bloodworth created Designing Women and she um She's the one that did that that famous video. Was it called like a town called Hope about where mm -hmm. Bill Clinton grew up, and it it really put it over the top for him for the election. Um, so she was literally off winning the election for Bill, and and the inmates were running the asylum back huh. at the studio. <laughs> she had like gotten other people to run the show, and they just were not doing. A, all their ideas, I thought, you know, that's just... <laughs> well, that show was over with. It was over. You know, every idea that you could come up with for a, you know, for an episode, like, oh, we did that in season two. We did that in season three. We did that in season four. And you're like, ah. Uh, how many funeral episodes can we have? How many wedding yeah. episodes? It was over. Actually, I did write a wedding episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only one I wrote. And plus, you know, our son was just a little baby. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting any sleep. And I'd never worked in an office. I'd never worked... In television, I'd never, um, 
I, I'd never worked with other people before and I'd never been a mother before. And did I mention I wasn't getting much. any sleep? Oh, and I was just miserable. It, yeah, that was the last throws for Mimi yeah. as far as TV production went. And I just didn't want it badly enough. No. It just, it's just, um, it's rough, man. And, and of course, then I went into full-time TV production to make the money. And I kept on as a set designer and a puppet designer and a puppeteer in, in children's TV. All but you, the, your hours were okay. I mean, you were like... Yeah, I was, was the kind of, writer. Yeah, because like... I was the designer. They pay those writers really well, but they want you to be there from like oh, nine in the morning until right. sometimes oh, it's your whole like life. midnight. It's your whole life. Wayne would just go in like nine to five and... and I was an animator for Beekman's World, and I had a regular steady gig all for a big chunk of the 90s, and I had constant little freelance jobs designing other shows, but I never had to commit like a writer commits right so when, we found our niche in hollywood and as me working it like that and mimi got to stay at home and and uh take care of the kids and continue her freelancing as a cartoonist and she could work from home doing that so it was still a struggle though with the two kids yeah uh, what, two what freelance if, artists certainly what, what affected that like when mimi was writing on that show all day and like you were working all day like what effect did that have on your relationship it wasn't the greatest thing. Yeah, it would only lasted three months. I was ready to shoot myself when they fired me. <laughs> we had lots of guilt about the kids putting them in daycare and the nanny. Mm. I had tons of guilt about that, about shuttling off the kids to some, somebody else taking care of them. I really felt really bad about that. Yeah, it bothered me. And it bothered me. Like, I mean, it was just kind of a given that, like, you hand your kid off to a nanny. A nanny. Right. And then you go off and work in an office or something. And I'd, I'd always worked at home anyway. And I didn't want to miss my seeing my kids grow up. And um, I, I just couldn't uh, reconcile the. You know, like uh, you're paying someone basically to be you. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I had a horrible didn't... guilt about it. And so I, I, I mean, I was sort of a stay-at-home dad too. I, I I got to work at home a lot. So actually, it turned out we were pretty lucky. We got to be around our kids more than most freelancing Hollywood couples get to to Hollywood. Listen to me, Hollywood couples. <laughs> we were a couple of scroungy ass artists that were just trying to make it by. We we were never successful in Hollywood. We just we were workers in the factory like everybody else. I was at least. I never rose up through the ranks. I was always a lowly art director. Hey, what's our Hollywood couple name? Wayney? <laughs> <laughs> I was a lowly worker, you know, just in the art department, building props, building sets and puppets. And I thought I thought I wanted to rise through the ranks. I thought well may I should be a director. It took me a long time to realize, no, I did not want to be a director. I did not want to direct TV shows, and I certainly didn't have the chops to direct movies. And I finally kind of realized that, too, after a lot of banging my head against the wall about that. Have have the two of you ever been competitive with each other? Or are you always kind of doing... You do very different things, but they're adjacent. Yeah, we really do. Mimi is a cartoonist. She's a really great cartoonist. She's well-respected. She's... She's a legend, and uh, that's great. I started out as a cartoonist, but I s- certainly uh, gave it up a long time ago. And, and Wayne's really way better with 3D stuff. I'm not really good at 3D. And and I'm a painter, and I'm in the fine arts world now, mostly. And uh, 
yeah, you know, we're on parallel tracks as far as art art goes. So we're not really that we're not competitive as as artists. Did your did your work either of you ever get in the way of your relationship or like was there was there like a period of yeah my negotiating or like my work has been uh, a problem off and on through the years because <laughs> I work too hard and I work myself into exhaustion and uh, I go nuts. It's in the movie. What does that look like when you go nuts? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just get really depressed. I get depressed. I work myself. I, I exhaust myself because I don't know when to stop. I'm, I'm obsessive compulsive in a way. And my and also my work ethic is I'm going to work harder than anybody else in the room. I'm going to show you all. I'm going to work right. wings around everybody. That's sort of been my my um, formula for success is to work be the hardest working guy around. And uh, I am. And whenever mm-hmm. I'm in a situation, that's my competitive goal is to work harder than anybody else or to produce more. And so, uh, so Mimi, like, what is and, that? And, and it hurts, right? You know, it hurts me as a father and as a husband because I'm away. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm away from the kids and the wife and the house. I'm, and I'm just, I'm a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it, and it hurts everybody, you know, so. Bummer. <laughs> Maybe, have you ever, I mean, how do you, like what's your relationship with Wayne's work? Like if he's if he's like in the in the basement or in the garage working hard, do you like where's the line between saying like you you look like you're making yourself sick? Well, or is I, it a uh, usually by the time I say that he's in too deep a groove and he just screams <laughs> at me and I just go away. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of one of the that's one of our uh, sore points is like. One one time, this really hurt. She goes, Wayne, you're getting too old for this. <laughs> you said that to me. Once. I didn't. I just meant that, like, j- just in terms of physically exhausting yourself. I know. And that really bummed me out because there was a kernel of truth there. And but it was I mean, you know, you just can't do that the way like college kids pull all nighters past a certain age. It's not good for you. I know it is. I didn't mean that you're over the hill or a fogey you know old fogey or anything I just meant <laughs> physically you have to take care of yourself and she's mentally right. too um, she's right I don't know when to stop when I when I start on a project yeah, I uh, I lose perspective sometimes mm. and I uh, but I just gotta get it done you know right. I'm, I'm, I'm driven I really am driven that's that's again that's the secret to my success is that I I'm driven and uh I want to. I want to. Um, I want to be the hardest working guy. You right. Know? If I may not be the smartest or the most talented, but I definitely put more effort in. I think. Who do you think your kids take after more in that way? Because your your kids are both artists in their own right. Do they? Well, they're still young, and they really haven't um, been tested mm-hmm. in a marketplace situation. They're they're still students. Um, I think they have more, um, they're more balanced, way more balanced than I am. Um, I used to just stay up all night, all the time, over and over again from student days on. But I don't think uh, Woody or Lulu are quite that crazy. No. I'm a bit man. I'm a, I've always been a little manic. Um, 
just out of sheer desperation, just Mm -hmm. to claw my way out of the blue-collar world that I came from, from Tennessee, required almost that. And our kids have a little more of an advantage. They don't have to be quite so desperate. And, uh, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. They, um, I think they're more level-headed like their mother Mm. when it comes to work patterns. I can't stay up late. I just, I, and I have to pace myself, so I'm better at planning. He can't, he'll take a project on and he'll just bite off way more than he can chew, and then he drives himself crazy trying to realize it. At, whereas I say, you know, really, you think it's going to take you that long to do it? Don't you think it'll take longer than that? <laughs> yeah, but like, look at what I pulled off. No, I, I know, but I pull this, it off. You pull it off, but at what expense? Well, a book, a movie. <laughs> I mean, I've done some heroic. I like to, I, I'm enamored with the idea of the heroic effort, mm-hmm. you know, like biting off more you can chew and doing it, painting yourself into a corner and, and escaping, slaying the dragon, you know, going out and, and being the hero. That's part of my overly romanticized view of the world, I Except guess. Except that when it makes you crazy. Yeah, and then you pay the price. I think I've learned, I think I'm getting better at it, but, um, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of have a romanticized view of the artist that way, and uh, but with time and uh, more success, I'm getting better resources, and I don't have to quite um, don't have to put so much. I get more help. Mm-hmm. Like I have projects coming up now that are really it's on the same level and on the same scope and everything, but I have way more people that do the fabricating and stuff like that. Right. Can you talk about the projects that you're working on? Yeah, I'm going to be doing some uh, uh, big outdoor sculptures for the Bonnaroo Music Festival down in oh, Tennessee great. in June. And, and it sounds like they have a full team of fabricators and stuff, and all I have to do is the drawing board stuff. I don't have to get in there and roll my sleeves up and bang away at a hammer and a saw and a welding torch and hot stuff glue like gun. hot glue gun. And <laughs> that, even though I love... I love building. I love the physical act of making stuff. So, but, and, and, um, I'm negotiating with my hometown of Chattanooga to do a big, large outdoor sculpture. Again, all I do is the drawing board stuff and it'll be Mm -hmm. fabricated by other people. Um, and, uh, I'm working with, um, Todd Oldham's brother, Brad Oldham in Dallas, Texas to do a series of bronze sculptures. And, uh, they do all the, fabricating so i hope that's a new pattern in my life do you feel guilty about being so lazy no (laughs) no because i'll find a way of i'm kidding you'll have time for other projects yeah yeah and you know what of course i'm being 100 (laughs) percent facetious do not mean that at all no i i uh when i start something i give it everything and uh again that's if i do if i can brag that's been the way I've gotten to where I'm at. So I have to say, um, he is a great inspiration in terms of having someone around to egg you on to to work harder. I just look to him and I go, well, you know, he's still working, so I guess I better get to work. <laughs> so I owe a lot to him for that. And I'm working hard right now promoting this movie, mm-hmm. flying all over the country. Uh, you know, I've done ever since March, really. It's been like one uh, gig after the other of going to screenings, doing Q&As, doing interviews, mm-hmm. um, 
So, and it's great. We'll do yeah. a big uh, intro to lead into the podcast about um, how great beauty is embarrassing is. Do you, um, you, when you, I know that you don't, the two of you don't really collaborate, but like if you get stuck, do you ever turn to Mimi or do you ever, do you ever turn to Wayne or do you guys just. Sometimes he helps me with perspective drawing because <laughs> um, he's the master of that. And sometimes perspective just drives me nuts. Um, yeah. I mean, we ask each other's opinions from time to time, but I think we sort of instinctively know where to stop on that. Like I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, um, you know, you, yeah. I mean the, 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 the parlor game that we play as a family is, is sitting around shooting the shit and, and someone says something and, and someone else says, is that a, is that a painting? Yeah. Some phrase. Yeah. Call. Mimi's <laughs> given me a lots of ideas for paintings. Like one we did together called hottie, uh, Heine's and and Hooters. No, no. Heine's and Shooters with with Hotties and Hooters. Hooters. (laughs) We came up with that together. And we came up with a few others, too. Um, So, you know, it's great to have another artist slash writer in the family. Because we we also share a hate of um, uh, contemporary buzzwords, you know, Mm -hmm. like... Sunnies for sunglasses. Cali for California. Veggies. Our daughter Lulu is a, is a magnificent hater of those. She just can't stand any kind of trendy, cute. Uh, SoCal. SoCal. Oh. What's a what's a shit? Sunglasses called Sunnies. Sunnies. <laughs> Prezies. Prezies. Ooh. Adorbs and and Veggies. adorbs. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And Lulu hates the word panties. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like there's an odor coming off all those words, and yeah. Lulu just cannot stand it, and it's hilarious. Is there- she also hates hubby, which hubby. is a word I've been using for years. Yeah. Because it's sort of, it's retro. It's one of those kind of 50s, like, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, oh, the hubby's taking a nap on the Davenport. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, cute nicknames for each other? No. Or gross nicknames Dear for God, each other? No. <laughs> no. No, not really. Um <laughs> I mean, it's just, she's already got a cute name, Mimi. <laughs> and I've got the uh, trashiest name alive, Wayne. When I told my mother I was uh, dating a, a new guy and his name was Wayne, she said, you really know how to pick them, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's a miracle I'm not incarcerated. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Wayne. a name like Most Mimi. guys named Wayne are on death row. <laughs> But uh, you know the alliteration of Wayne White is is nice. Yeah, yeah, no, strong. Actually, I, I I'm Wayne Wilkes White. Whoa. W Southern. Yes, and yeah. actually, we have both of our names are kind of trashy. Mimi's kind of a trashy name. Yeah. Too. So we're Mimi proud. Of, we're proud of that. And Mimi Pond, though, what's what a great name that is. Yeah. The, the great advantage of that name is before I ever did anything, people thought they had heard of me. <laughs> I know it already sounds great. It's custom made for fame. It sounds like pun. a very like a classy uh, '30s cartoon character. That's like art. Yeah, or, yeah, Art Deco or '20s Art Deco. It is very kind of Art Decoy sounding. Mm-hmm. Great name. So back to your kids. Do you are um, because your your kids are both uh, aspiring artists, and you're you're both artists. Is there ever any? Um, Forgive me, this question is uh, terrible, but is there ever any competition between like who gives them advice or who's mentoring them more or? 
Not really. No, I mean, it sounds know, like I'm just trying we, to cause a fight. And I'm no, really, the, honestly, they no, they God are such self starters. <laughs> They're such self starters with it that, like, um, occasionally they'll ask for very rarely they'll ask for advice and you try to give it to them and they're like no 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 and they'll walk away and figure and, it out themselves and, and I, do a great job i walk on eggshells as far as the art and the kids go i don't want i let them i give them tons of space to mm-hmm. develop and i always have i've never insisted that they go into art i've never you know tried to hoist the family business onto them i've given them all the space they need to develop naturally and uh and, I, and I'm very Except aware. Except for that time where we said, you, you don't want to be doctors. <laughs> it costs a lot. You have to study really hard. Yeah, we, we squelched that dream. No, she's kidding. <laughs> they they both came into it completely naturally. They both, of course, have me and Mimi's genes. And so mm-hmm. uh, they um, they could just do it automatic. You know, motor skills were there. And and the um, perception was there, the the wit and the vision was there. We didn't have to train them or do anything. It just came yeah, out. It naturally. just comes out. And mm-hmm. and my attitude is, you know, even if they're, for the most part, if there's if they ask my advice, if they have asked my advice, I've learned I, not to give advice. I, I, <laughs> that's the funny part in the movie. Yeah, you kind of. Right. Yeah, yes, you kind of. That, that's the thing. It's like you can't really do it because it's so loaded as their parent and as an artist. They don't listen to you. They don't. They, who listens criti- to your parent? Yeah, who listens right. to you? And 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 a criticism from your mother about your work is it's it's going to be so loaded that mm-hmm. it's it's worthless right so the best thing is just to be supportive yeah mm. and yeah. that's what i was what i was wondering when i was watching the the movie like it's your your family looks so ideal and it's like well did their kids never have a rebellion or was there you just imagine that the four of you are sitting around a table and you just throw art supplies on the table and you're like let's just let's have an afternoon but it's yeah. Like, did they yeah, ever I mean, it's have not so a much that we all sit in the same room. We all kind of go off to our our own corners and sure. do the work. There'll be time- metaphorically being in this perfect. Yeah, there'll be times where we work together at the same table, but that's rare. We're we're individuals, and also I'm so happy that they want to be artists because it gives us a bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you have to be very careful with, though. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't want to cast a shadow. I don't want them to live in my shadow. Right. But I want our me and Mimi's reputation to help them somehow. And we're still trying to figure that one out. You know, we want them to use use it to their advantage but not let it shadow them and not let them be constantly compared to us. Yeah. Get the scholarship <laughs> and then move on. Use the hype from the movie however you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the book and Mimi's career. Use it somehow, but don't let it sh- overshadow you. Do you see your influence in their work, or is it? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. Lulu has an incredible gift for satire and uh, comedy in her work. Woody, and so does Woody. Yeah, they both, both do. Both of them. They both do. And they definitely get the. the very uh, funny. They de- you know, we, and Mimi and I's work is definitely both. We're both involved with humor and satire, and uh, and they both have that like crazy. And Woody is a surprisingly brilliant. Not surprisingly, he's a brilliant realist painter. He can. He's just. 
uh, he's just so much better than I was at that age. He's <laughs> Both better. of them are staggering, just yeah. mind blowing. They 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 have an eye that uh, is just. I, I can't tell you, you how gratifying it. it is. Yeah, <laughs> as a parent, it's like. Woody's uh, and and Woody and Lulu are great painters, and they, and they, they you, you can't teach the, the the touch that they have. Yeah, it's just inborn. And Lulu has this particular talent for capturing likenesses and portraits. Yeah, stunning. That's great. And, and, and but everything that they do is amazing. Hire them. Hire them, America. Woodrow <laughs> White, Lulu White, your next art superstars. Do you do you ever imagine a, a uh, alternate reality where like they are the same age and they're they're clearly like not talented or they and they're trying the same? That's thing? a yeah. That was I never thought of that because it never they I could see they were talented from the get go. Mm-hmm. Thank God, <laughs> thank God they 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 they're not you know trying to follow in our footsteps and not cut and cut the mustard. That would be really bad. Yeah, that would be sure. But that ain't the case at all. I never worried about that because they could both draw since they were little babies. That's great. Um, so I, so we talked to uh, exclusively comedians and artists on this podcast, and something that comes up all the time because I'm interviewing people on their own. You, you guys are only the second couple that I've interviewed. We talk a lot about dating somebody who's also an artist or also a comedian, and. Frequently, people are like, "Hi, oh, like, I ideally like, I don't want to date another comedian, or I don't want to date another artist." But I really, I'm, I'm dating a artist, comedian, someone who's doing the same thing ish that I am. I'm a big believer, and see, a, a terrible interviewer. So you like <laughs> this? You like this really? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so to those, to those people that like are, do you? I'm sure you you must have an opinion about that about like dating somebody who's also an artist versus not like what that means. I think you have to complement one another. I th- you know your talents have to complement one another and bring out the best in each other. It's it's not good if it's too close. Like if I was a fine artist, it might be too close. Yeah, if we were both in the gallery world, and or if we were mm-hmm. both cartoonists, um, it might be. And too we much. were both cartoonists for a while. But that didn't last too long because Pee Wee came along and it changed my life and mm-hmm. took me off to a whole other direction. But yeah, it can be tricky. Um, Actually, I dated a, uh, a guy who wanted to be a painter when I lived in Oakland and for like nine, dated this guy for like nine months and it was just nine months of hell. Mm. And basically, I finally realized he was copying me. <laughs> I was doing pastel drawings of buildings in Oakland. Um, and you're copying me. And he started doing <laughs> paintings of the same thing. And, you know, it was all kind of basically kind of Edward Hopper influence stuff, you know, sunlight mm. on buildings, whatever. But he was copying me. <laughs> right. Yeah. What a nightmare. Well, and then he, oh, well, no, never I've always, <laughs> my whole world has been other artists. I, I, I'm in, I live in a artist. I've always, ever since I was 19, 20, that's the, that's my world. I can't help it. So I pick and choose from that world. I never thought of looking outside of it. And, uh, all the other girlfriends I've had have usually been artists. And, uh, 
Yeah, that last one didn't work out so well. Oh, uh, well, we won't go there. <laughs> uh, but, um, Is that ancient jealousy that you're feeling? No, no, no. Yeah. It's a long story. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just am I'm attracted to people who can draw. You know? And they, you know, they understand you. And they, they understand the, the. They understand. I don't think I could live with somebody that was rolling their eyes at me as, for being an artist. Which is right. which is the the pretty much the patented uh, reaction of non artists to artists. It's like, okay, do you have to weird. draw like that all the time? It's pretty you know? weird what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although there's there's combos that work. Of course, I just never tried it. I just. Like I've been in my artist bubble with my all my other artists. I like artists. Mm-hmm. We understand each other. It can be trouble though. I could see if you're too close. Yeah. If you're competing in the same marketplace, it can be mm-hmm. trouble. Sure. Yeah. Do you um? Do you guys have have friends like other artists friends that you socialize like? together hate other artists (laughs) (laughs) i hate them (laughs) don't come around here with your big notions (laughs) i'm only laughing because he's not really kidding (laughs) (laughs) i'm a i'm a super competitive guy uh, and i've probably spoiled more relations more friendships than i have made with other artists i'm hard to deal with because, like I said, I'm going to beat you. My, I'm, I was a horrible student because I would go into a classroom not to learn, but to be the best student in the class. I go, mm-hmm. okay, who's who, who's who's the person to beat in here? Okay, you? Okay, I'm going to do better than you. I wouldn't listen to the lessons or anything. <laughs> I would just compete with the, my my fellow students. And I, and I was a horrible student because mm-hmm. that's all I know is competition. Uh, I grew up in a sports ha- household. And I learned competition for playing sports and uh, being just surrounded by sports all the time. So I guess maybe that a lot of that comes from that, mm. and maybe just it's a it's a guy thing. But yeah, I've um, I've ruined a lot of friendships being the way I am. I plan to ruin a lot more in the future too. Stay away from me. Ah. Is it uh, so? It's easier for you. <laughs> it's easier for you to be friends with people who you're not threatened by, or with people that challenge you. I, I want to. Um, that's a tough one. Oh, you have Bill. And I, no, I. Brian. You know what? I'm I'm exaggerating. I have artist friends that I, that I love to support. Mm-hmm. As long as they're not threatened by me, I'm not threatened by them. But I've threatened a lot of people, and uh, and what's the threat? <laughs> Soundbite. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, next, Wayne White. I've threatened a lot of people. <laughs> Next, find out coming why. up. Um, you know what? If they're not threatened by me, that's great. It takes a certain type of confidence, and if I like their work, I will champion them all day long. I love talent, and and, and I respect talent, but I don't respect somebody who um, can't is not graceful in, in competition. Mm. You know, and Polly, I'm not as graceful as I should be either. But you got to be a good sport. Right. A lot of so, people pout and give up, or you know, and resent and jealousy. And it's so. How does that manifest? Like in the like when you when you say someone's a bad sport, you mean pouting? Like yeah, they won't congratulate you. They mm-hmm. won't. They won't at least acknowledge that you've scored a victory and 
give you a nice congratulations. You know, they go off and pout and radio silence, nothing from them for years. Hey. You know, uh, it's called male friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, competitive guys are competitive with each other. But you know what? I try at least to be a good sport. Give my handshake after the game is over. If they have a success, I'll drop them a line. I'll drop them an email and congratulate them. And uh, I try to be that way. I'm not always the best, though. I can pout, too. Right, Mimi? You say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have artist friends? Well, I didn't have any artist friends after we moved here for a long time. I, I knew, we both knew a bunch of cartoonists. We were in mommy and daddy world. Yeah, we, we had a bunch of cartoonist friends in New York, and we moved here, and I didn't, we didn't know any other cartoonist for the longest time and then you know we kids were starting in school and then and then you're um then you're other then you're forced to socialize with the parents of your chill your children's yeah, me, friends which me is me did i did a cartoon about it called <laughs> hell is other parents <laughs> and, and it is it really and was it, is. Years. it just fucking hated it, it i is. hated most of those people there's a like a handful of them that i can stand to look at and a lot, most of them are like people i would uh, you know cross the street to avoid because right. uh, a lot of it is that they're not artists and the feeling was mutual with yeah. them too. <laughs> and that they're, they're not us. they're not artists and they don't get it and mm -hmm. their whole attitude is like you know really what are you going to grow up and you know Get a real job. They're condescending. Yeah, they're condescending. They call you an artiste. Boy, yeah. I hate or that they're, word. They're, <laughs> threat, they're threatened because you don't. You're not miserable working in a crappy office job like they are. Yeah. You know, um, it's well, just you a have different no choice because your kids are making. Yeah, yeah. So you're just kind of like choices. stuck with them for years, and it's just hellish. Yeah. And you like you don't approve of the way they're raising their kids, and you can't say anything about it. So that's the untold. That's the dirty secret when you of, have kids. Yeah. Nobody ever tells you you're going to have to hang around with other adults that you would never hang around with yes. in a million right. years. Yeah. yeah. That's the dirty little secret that they don't tell new parents. I mean, if you're lucky, you might find a community of people like-minded people very, that you enjoy. Very unlikely. We we have we have one we have one maybe two friends left over from from that era like that. That stayed that we stayed friends with, and they couldn't stand all those other people either. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, that's the breaks. Uh, but just recently, via the magic of the internet, I have connected with some other. Um, well, I reconnected with old friends, and then connected with uh, younger women cartoonists whose work I really admire. And God, and that's she's so Mimi is the godmother of all these young women. You know, what they they. She broke the ground for for them, and well, not she just me by myself. Well, she, you're one of them, definitely. <laughs> She's like she she paved the way for for a lot of these young younger women cartoonists. Anyway, my new my new best girlfriend in the world is Vanessa Davis, who's a really talented um, young cartoonist whose work is brilliant. And um, I just you know I haven't had a female friendship like that. Um, close by in a long time mm -hmm. I, I did we did i have another friend who used to live behind us who just coincidentally bought the house behind ours and we put a gate in between our houses and it was really great and then she moved away mm. so i haven't had anyone like close in a long time to really talk to so it's really great that vanessa just moved here and so that's really awesome that's really nice um back to parenting i've never i've never had uh i've never had kids but i was a nanny for a very long time oh wow yeah that's got to be an interesting dynamic too like yeah seeing it from the nanny perspective and all that it's strange it's a weird you were uh, a nanny 
Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I'm guilty oh, wow. just looking at you now. Man, <laughs> they make me feel guilty. No, but you know the thing is, is I, I neglect child neglect. <laughs> I, I, you know, we the kids went to a, a great preschool in the neighborhood, which is where we met all these ha- parents we hate. Easy now. <laughs> anyway. They're listening. Um, we don't mean you. No, we don't mean you. Uh, you know how but, much my audience are parents. We won't with. name the place. But uh, you know, like I'd leave but the you kids. You know who at, you are. I, we'd leave the kids at school, and I'd think, how that's can right. they? How can those teachers stand to be with those little kids all day? I'd shoot myself if that's what I have uh, to do. But the thing that's different is it's not your kid, so it's a totally mm-hmm. different relationship. You know, your child and you press each other's buttons. Right. You know, it's just the way it's. That's the way it works. But when you're caring for someone else's kid you don't have to put up with their bullshit because they can't play you that way well or they play you more yeah it's it's um obviously just speaking from the nanny's perspective i nanny for like three different families and the experience was really different from family to family i'd say one family like i was the mother just yeah. 100%. And that was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. And heartbreaking from, from yeah. this side. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it is a heartbreaking thing. I hate... It is. It's tough. Um. Yeah. Most, mostly, and, and talking to other nannies, most, most people's experience, or most nannies' experience, is that the, the parents are really having a hard time dealing with passing their kids off to somebody yeah totally understandable and then the nannies also understand that but then it at its worst it turns into this really bad like overly controlling thing because the parents feel so guilty that they take it out on the on the kids yeah and then it gets it gets weird plus it's so absurd it's like why did you have kids in the first place if you just want to hand them off to somebody else yeah yeah you know it's it's like you're saying in in la especially and in new york it's it's just standard practice i know it's really strange yeah. see and, and being from a traditional nuclear family in the suburbs in the from the 50s and 60s it's yeah that never happened never, never. happened yeah you know, you know our parents neglected us at home <laughs> they neglected us the old-fashioned way. Go outside and play. <laughs> Break from the water faucet. Don't bring those kids in the house. Yeah, it's a, it is. It is a form of neglect. And the irony is that, like at the at the end of the day, uh, you know, as a nanny, I would be like, "What did you do with uh, Hugh and uh, and and Dancy?" today and then give them like a full time sheet like well we we were at the museum for 45 minutes and then we talked about what we learned we did some exercises and then he had this kind of snack and that kind of thing vicarious yeah 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 but it's really nice you got to yeah yes we 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 it was a struggle but it is i mean there's a lot of crushing boredom in there but um (laughs) that's another (laughs) yeah that they don't tell you that they're (laughs) that's another thing they don't tell you kids are boring as hell you know all this enchanted playtime 30 minutes tops and then it's just like bernie mac used to say man i play that kids are boring someone your own age to play with you know and it's true it's you know it's like you can only you know have so much barbie dialogue mm-hmm. <laughs> but just you know being it you don't have There's to play just having them in proximity to you is just 
this this nature's way. Yeah, you know, you know and, and you know, at the moment where you think you don't have you're, to play with them. No, but at the moment where you just think you're going to shoot yourself from boredom, they turn around and do something, you know, say something insanely cute, or you know, I mean, it's right. it's it's totally worth it. It's just it's hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really hard. It's re- very difficult. How how old are you guys when you got kids? We were later. We t- I was we had 36. A, I was 35. Oh, nice. And uh, so we had a, we had already had our wild times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, That's we good. were really ready. You know, I mean, we'd been to Europe. We'd lived in New York. <laughs> what else? <laughs> oh, okay. Let's do this. How long were you together before you had kids? Eight years. Yeah, something like that. No, eight years. Eight years. Okay. It was eight years. <laughs> um, and... Uh, we were ready. Yeah. We thought we were, at least. You're never ready. No, you're never ready for anything in life. That's that's another dirty secret nobody ever tells you. I was, you're never ready for anything. Yeah, I, I was thinking, But it's always too late to turn back, so you just got to go. There you go. go. Yeah, it, it's, it, I always imagined it as, like, when you're, you, you know, if you ever went to, like, the municipal pool, public pool, mm-hmm. as a kid, and... And someone talked you into getting in the line for the big diving board, you know, and you climbed right. up the diving board and then you're Can't at the top back. and they're like, you look back and everyone's just waiting for you to, to dive <laughs> yeah. and you can't go back down the ladder. No, you cannot. <laughs> right. You got to take the plunge. You can't go back down the ladder. That's another sound bite. <laughs> now you're just dropping them on purpose. Oh, man, we're we're just full of them. No, oh, it's great. Oh, the Bon Mo's are flying. Bon Mo, what does that mean? Bon Mo's. <laughs> Who's Bon Mo? It's candy. I thought that was a rock band. <laughs> John Bon Mo. Uh, well, great. I uh, to close out. Like, what a, what advice do you have for um, young artists in relationships or artists in relationships? Perseverance. That's all I say every time somebody asks me that. That's the number one trait you got to have, perseverance. Never give up. All that other stuff, vision, wit, uh, talent, you know, um, that'll take care of itself as mm-hmm. long as you never give up. That's the number one leading edge thing you got to have because most people give up. They, um, you have to want it bad enough. But, and most people give up because, you know what, most of art making is not very fun. Mm-hmm. It isn't. It's it's seventy five percent hard work and boring work and drudgery, but the joy that you get at the end of it makes up for all of that. And, and then they don't tell you that the joy comes at the end. It's it's the it's the it's the digging that tunnel that's the hardest part, and what, that's where most people give up because they think it's just moment after moment of pure epiphany and and magic and 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 the magic is not there most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's ditch digging. It's and, like giving uh, birth. Slowly. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's painful, painful and it's boring and it's very very hard to do, and and. The perseverance, and that, you get hemorrhoids. Oh wait, no, that's, just, <laughs> that's just birth. That's my advi- that's my simple, hard-headed, plain, boring advice to any artist: perseverance, number one. Right. Get up and draw every day. Yeah, and most people don't want to hear that. They want some kind of like, oh, nurture the blah 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 blah. No, just sit down and do it. Put your nose to the grindstone and 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 work through the pain. Work through the pain, there you go. and then for artists who are in relationships with each other, like 
Oh. Or, or because you two are clearly in a very successful relationship and you have a beautiful family. Like, were, were there... Were there times when... I always scream at each other all day long. Do you scream at each other? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's not that's perfect. That's comforting. That's yeah. nice. It's not perfect. And I get nervous when people put put me on a, or me and Mimi on a pedestal. Or mm-hmm. I'm nervous as being an example from this movie. You know, I don't want to serve <laughs> as an example. I don't want to be like the shining example. I'm just, I'm imperfect, very much so. And uh, I was lucky enough that Neil Berkeley, the director of this movie, mm-hmm. painted such a beautiful portrait of me and my family. Right. But remember, it's a portrait. It's sure. not the definition of. We're still struggling and, and, and making it up as we go along. And we're imperfect. We have problems. And, you know, you, you, you just have to be willing to w- work through the problems and talk yeah. to each other and communicate. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's fun having such a shining portrait of yourself painted. And, again, I did not make this movie. A guy <laughs> named Neil Berkeley made this movie. Right. This is a piece of art that Neil Berkeley made, not me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm flattered that he made me and Mimi look so great. And, and, and we are great in many ways, but it's an ongoing it's one, struggle. Yeah, it's one person's point of view. Yeah. And, and, and we have our problems, but, you know, here we are. You know, we're still trying just like everybody else. I think one of the things I admire most about Wayne is that when we do fight, he always wants to finish the fight. Mm. You know, it's like when you stop talking to each other that the problems really begin. Right. The fact that you are, you you know, even if it's painful and you keep probing, like, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Let's scream at each other some more, and then let's finally figure it out. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, well, I'm not going to talk to him. There's no talking to him, right? You know, yeah. I mean, that, when you give up is when the relationship is over. Yes, sure. I've, yeah. Why do you think you've been together for so long? Uh, we, uh, oh, gosh, that's a. That, there's no easy answer to that either. <laughs> we we both are hard workers. He's a badass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Now say something nice about me, damn it. She, she's she's a badass motherfucker too. Yeah. Uh, we both believe in hard work, and uh, we He's, both. He still dazzles me. Mm. Still blows my mind. And she dazzles me. She's a genius artist, and I love I love genius, and uh, and we're both hard workers, and we respect each other's hard work. Uh, and um and he's still got it going on <laughs> and i like her i like her ass uh you know what can All i right. say check it out <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. well thank you so much for being on the podcast you're That's welcome a great a great <laughs> all right everybody that was the interview with uh wayne and mimi um if you're still listening if i if i was you I, right after this interview i'd go home immediately and start writing start drawing start doing uh whatever it is you do because uh wayne and mimi really made me feel very excited about working very hard um please go see beauty is embarrassing it is so good and um i met neil berkeley really nice guy he set up this interview thank you very much um go see his movie see it on iTunes. Uh, that's where I saw it. It's great. Please see that. Also, stay tuned for Mimi Pond's upcoming graphic novel published by John and Quarterly. By John and the Quarterly. And uh, keep your 
keep your eyes on the horizon for uh, Woodrow and Lulu White, their kids, who are, are going to take the world by storm very shortly. And uh, yeah, please, everyone see that movie and continue to work very hard. And uh, thank you for listening. We didn't have a commercial in the middle, so I'll say if you if you donate um, if you donate ten dollars to the podcast, if you go to feralaudio.com, um, because this podcast uh, t- does take money to make, and we don't get paid to make it. If you go to feralaudio.com and click on "This Feels Terrible," and then click on the "Donate Now" button and donate ten dollars, I will send you a postcard. If you donate fifty dollars or more. I will send you a, uh, I'll send you a, a something, um, usually a painting. Also, if you're donating $50 or more, or if you have already donated $50 or more recently, if you could email me, because I've been painting, um, I've been doing painting for, for people who are donating $50 or more, if you could give me, give me an idea of something you'd like me to paint, let's make it into a commission. Um, give me a word, give me a movie, yeah. So uh, thank you always for listening. Listen to the other podcasts from Feral Audio. And uh, let's all work hard this week. Everybody get out there and, and, and work hard. Love, Aaron. <laughs>